Welcome back to a brand new week of Raise the Apple. There is a lot to discuss today going on around Major League Baseball, but first we have to talk, as always, about our New York Mets. They are they fell below 500 as as we all knew. They're trying to get back up to 500, and they just can't seem to get over that hump again. They're 72 and 73 on the year, five and a half back in the division. However, the wild card very quickly has become a reasonable target for this team. Now, I'm pulling up the standings now just to double-check. The Padres and the Reds, who have been duking it out for the second wild-card spot, with the Dodgers holding a very comfortable lead for the top spot, they have been struggling of late. The Reds have now moved into a half-game lead over the Padres for that second wild-card spot. So right now, we're looking at San Diego and the Cardinals, who the Mets are playing this right now, half game back of the second spot. Two and a half games back, you have the Phillies. Three and a half back, you have the Mets. And then nine games back, you have the Rockies, and then so on. So the Mets are within three and a half games of it of a playoff spot. All you need is to get in. But when you look at their home road splits, they're 43 and 29 at home, 29 and 44 on the road. So it's on the road they've been struggling. They finished the year on the road in Atlanta. They have a nice home stretch coming up here. This is the time to capitalize. We talked about this is the tough part of their of their schedule, the last tough part because they had they just had the Yankees this past weekend. They have the Cardinals now and I believe it's the Brewers are next. Yep, they're in Milwaukee for to face off with the Brewers. Oh, they also have the Red Sox and Phillies in there too. So they're finish out this homestand against the Phillies. Then they head to Boston to take on the Red Sox. Then they're in Milwaukee. Then they're back home for the final, I believe is the final homestand of the year with the Marlins. And then they head to Atlanta. So capitalizing on these home games, winning series on the road. That's what we need. That's what the Mets need is to win on the road win series. I believe the series with Boston is two games, so a split obviously at the minimum can't afford to get swept. They have three games with the Brewers, need to win two out of three. That will be tough, not going to lie against the Brewers. The Brewers are a great team. I think personally the Brewers are a sleeper team to win the National League pennant this year. Obviously everyone's going to be looking at the Giants and Dodgers. I think the Brewers are the biggest threat to the Giants and Dodgers in terms of winning the NL pennant. So that will be a tough or a tough series for the Mets. They're certainly capable of winning two out of three against the Brewers. The Brewers have that nasty one-two-three punch of Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. The Mets also have a good group coming in. They have, you know, Stroman, Taiwan Walker, Rich Hill has been he did not didn't do so great. It was okay actually uh last night. Carlos Carrasco, uh, Tyler McGill has been good. The Mets do, they don't have Jake, obviously. No, Syndergaard's not back yet. Cookie, for whatever reason, can't get out of the first inning without allowing any sort of runs for whatever reason. But I think the Mets can take two out of three in that series. That Brewers series might make or break them. But like, Ke- like Kevin Pillar said, 
about a week or so ago. As long as they stay within three games coming into uh, the last series of the year, they have a chance. Also, they need the, the Reds and the Padres to continue to lose, but it is certainly doable for this team to get into a wildcard spot when originally we thought the only way they'd get into the postseason was if they won the NL East. Now they have a chance to make the postseason as a wildcard team, not just a uh, division champ, which is good for them. So it's going to be like 2019. Right now it's looking like 2019. The Mets had a late surge at the end. They fell about a game, game and a half short. Hopefully that doesn't happen this time. But it is very exciting to watch. What else was very exciting to watch was the Subway Series. So I, I got a feel that it was done on purpose that the Mets and Yankees played on the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. They played at City Field. Uh, if, for those of you who don't know, so when teams play at home, they typically have their nickname on the jersey. So for the, it, when the Mets are at home, it says Mets on their jersey. When they're on the road, it says the city name, so New York. Or if it's the Phillies, when they're home, their home jerseys say Phillies. Their away jerseys say Philadelphia. Or so, That's typically how it works. What they did for the Subway Series, the Yankees obviously on the road there said New York. The Mets also had New York on their jerseys, and the jerseys were that old the like whitish cream color that they used to have in the early 2000s before they switched to the pinstripes and they looked awesome i thought the whole 9-11 game was great unfortunately i had family stuff so i did not get unfortunately did not get to watch the game but i did watch the highlights of it the 9-11 game was awesome sunday night was amazing you had francisco lindor homering three times Mets take two out of three against the Yankees. You had apparently Wandy Peralta was being accused of whistling and stealing signs. Uh, Lindor and Baez did not like that. They called him out on it. Uh, VR apparently called like an infield meeting in the middle of an inning because he thought they were on to Taiwan Walker and he wanted to like figure that out. And then you had the benches clear and then words exchanged. And then Lindor hit his third homer. City Field was rocking. It was an awesome awesome game on Sunday night. I wish Gary Keith and Ron had it had the call for that game, but it was an amazing game for the Mets. A much a huge win for the Mets, but more importantly, it was a huge game for Lindor, probably one of if not Lindor's best games as a Met to date. So, it was it was just aw it's awesome to beat up on the Yankees. You know, the Mets did they win two out of three against the Yankees. They lost last night in game one of the Cardinals. They got shut out. Tonight, Stroman is on the mound. Who? I think Woodford is pitching for the Cardinals. Yep, Woodford and Stroman tonight. And then tomorrow will be John Lester and Tyler McGill. So Rich Hill only allowed three runs over five innings last night. Hopefully the Mets can get some more offense going tonight and tomorrow, take the series two out of three, and then move on to taking on – Is it? I just went over it, but I already forgot it – taking on Miami this this weekend before heading back, on, out, heading back out on the road. But with everything going on with the New York Mets, there's also a lot going on around Major League Baseball. Starting with the freaking San Francisco Giants are the first team to clinch a playoff spot in 2021. 
Last night, they clinched at least a postseason berth, so if they lose the rest of the way, they will be in the postseason no matter what, at least as a wild card. 94-50 and 50 on the year. They've won eight in a row. Coming from a team that, according to Fangraphs, had a 6% chance of making the playoffs. And right now, they're looking like a World Series favorite. For the last month and a half, I've been the second half of the year in general, I've been waiting for the Giants to just collapse, and it's just not happening. They they are a serious World Series contender this year, along with the White Sox, the Brewers, the Rays. It is just unreal what the Giants... The Giants have exceeded everyone. I had them finishing, I think... We went over this last time. I had them finishing just under 500, or just at 500 at the beginning of the year. They're 94 and 50 right now. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're a legit World Series contender. They may end the Dodgers' uh, run in the division. What is their division lead right now? That's the wild card standings. Division lead right now. The the Giants have a two and a half game lead over the Dodgers, but the Dodgers are also on fire right now. So those two may come down to the stretch in terms of winning the division. So the division's still up for grabs. The Dodgers are still hot on their tail. But the, the Giants' first team to, gra to grab a postseason spot. Unreal the season that they have had. They definitely have to be one of... If there were like a Team of the Year award, you've got to go with... I don't think that's really a thing, but you have to give it to the Giants and what they had less than 10% chance of making the playoff to winning the World Series and even making the playoffs and here they are with the best record of baseball clinching a spot with still half a month left in the regular season it's truly incredible what they've been able to do but speaking in staying in the NL West two new two bits of news with the Dodgers first of all Max Scherzer is the newest member of the 3000 strikeout club Max Scherzer is on his way to winning his fourth Cy Young. 3,000 strike. We had Verlander just reached it recently. CC Sabathia's got it recently. I'm not sure who's next. Let's take a look at the list here. Who are the next pitchers? I want to say Granky's got to be the next closest. Oh, yeah, here we go. Granke and his teammate, Clayton Kershaw. Granke's at 2,799. Kershaw's at 2,653. And, and Chris Sale is at 2,037. Then you got a couple guys that... Oh, that's playing video. You got a couple guys that still need a little bit, like DeGrom and Garrett Cole and uh, other guys that are still early on in their career but are certainly on pace of hitting 3,000 strikeouts by the end of their career. But it is an incredible milestone. Congrats to Max Scherzer. One of the best pitchers in baseball. If it wasn't for Jacob deGrom, I think Max Scherzer would be the best pitcher in baseball. I would, If I were a manager and I had to choose between Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, and Garrett Cole, obviously I'm taking Jake, but given Jake's injured right now and it's between Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer, I think I'm taking Max Scherzer. The man is certifiably insane and is just absolutely dominant like he's sitting there yelling at himself or like grunting under his breath at guys on the mound borderline insane I'm I love it I'm all for it but also the Dodgers with that with 
being hot on the Giants' tail. Max Scherzer reaching 3,000 strikeouts. They did receive bad news. Bad news for some, good news for others. It depends where you feel on the situation, where you fall. Trevor Bauer is out for the year. The league and the players' union agreed that with his... They kept extending the administrative leave at this point. They have decided to extend that through the rest of the regular season and including the postseason. So Trevor Bauer is done for the year. That does not mean at all there was anything that came up in the investigation that's going to prove him to be guilty. None of that has gone on. There's no advancements in it in the case itself. It's simply just they're not going to keep extending him anymore. They're just going to say, all right, you're done for the year. I'm surprised we haven't heard from Bauer yet, like have him say something on social media, but it's kind of probably smart on his part that he hasn't. But you can expect when the season's over, this will start to heat up a lot and probably be one of the most talked about things during the offseason. Not so much the free agency, you know, with Baez and Story and Corey Seager and other guys on the Mets like Conforto and Syndergaard and Stroman. It's going to be about Bauer. Bauer is going to that Bauer situation will be the headline of the offseason. I feel very confident in saying that, you know, no matter what side you fall on on it, that will be the biggest story of the offseason, how all of that plays out, what the Dodgers do with him, what he does with the league, all that kind all that kind of stuff. So what else is going on around? I have my list here. I'm just checking off. We have two other bits of news. First of all, the Brewers. Brewers threw a combined no-hitter the other day. Corbin Burns went eight. And then Josh Hader came in for the ninth. The reason I bring it up, I can't be the only one that absolutely hates combined no-hitters. I can't be the only one. Combined no-hitters are so annoying. I just, I hate them. I don't know why. Just a combined no-hitter doesn't have the same effect to me that a regular no-hitter does. I wish Corbin Burns came out for the ninth. I did not see what his pitch count was. But I wish he finished the ninth. I understand. I'm sure there's a lot that played into that decision. But if I were a pitcher, if I had a no-hitter or a perfect game going through eight, I don't care what my pitch count is that I want to go out there and finish it. I don't I want to know what you guys think. Do you do you like combined no-hitters? Do you think they're dumb or like do you understand them or enjoy them? What's I don't like them. I know some people say they were okay with Corbin Burns not finishing the game because you have to save him. At this point, the Brewers have the NL Central on lock. So you have to start thinking about the postseason, and you're gonna Corbin Burns is probably gonna be your game one or two starter with Woodruff going, Brandon Woodruff being the other one for the other game. But I, I just don't like. I do not like combined no hitters. I have no idea what it is about them. I do not like. I just, I don't like them. Don't like them at all. But. The last thing for today is Vladdy, Vlad Jr., is going for the Triple Crown, and he will get it. Mark it right now, Vlad Jr. will win the Triple Crown. No hitter has won the Triple Crown since Miggy won it 
back in 2013. Right now, Vlad it, Vlad Jr. is second in batting average. He trails. Uh, he's at 3.18. Starling Marte leading the way with uh, 3.22 average in home runs. He took the lead last night with number 45, overtaking Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani may be a lock for the AL MVP, but Vlad Jr. is on pace to make a lot be a lock for. Why is this not loading now? Okay. Vlad Jr. is a lot on lock right now to win the Triple Crown. He's leading in RBIs right now. My internet just gave out, so I cannot... I do not know what... Oh, there we go. He's currently leading in RBIs. Oh, it's... Gotta love technology, don't you? Actually, no, he's not. He's tied for third in RBIs with 103 with Rafael Devers. Salvador Perez has 105. Jose Abreu has 107. He certainly has a way to get a little bit to go to get up there to win the Triple Crown. But given how hot the Blue Jays are and how freaking stacked that offense is, I have no doubt that he can get put in a position to win a Triple Crown. If it comes down to the last game of the year, and the Blue, I can totally see him like a walk-off home run that sends the Blue Jays to the playoffs that also wins Vladdy the Triple Crown. That would be the, like... The most awesome thing ever. But I think Vlad Jr. certainly can win the Triple Crown. I've been saying it since the beginning of the year. He slowed down. It was hard to keep up with Otani on when Otani went on his initial home run tear. But I certainly can see Vladdy getting the job done and winning the Triple Crown. He and the Blue Jays are just absolutely on fire right now. And certainly... That uh, triple crown is in the conference. We last year Shane Bieber won the triple crown for pitching, which means he led in wins, ERA, and strikeouts. Obviously, with a short season last year, people like to discredit that. I think that's ridiculous, especially with the pace that Shane Bieber was on. But I would love to see Vlad Jr. win a triple crown, especially this year. I think that would just be that just be awesome. What does it help him in the MVP race? It actually might because Otani has slowed down just a little bit, but I but Otani also can pitch, so I think that also plays into it. But Vlad Jr. is definitely still in it for a triple crown. He's also definitely still in it to win a uh, MVP. It's going to be between him and Otani. It depends how each of them finish out the year. If Vlad Jr. just continues on his tear to win a triple crown, I certainly think he may move into a front runner as the MVP over. Otani. But that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of Raise the Apple. Make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe down below. No matter where you're listening, on the road to 100 subscribers. Once we hit 100 subscribers, we will be doing a giveaway. You have to be a subscriber to win the giveaway. So make sure you hit that subscribe button down below. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at RTA underscore pod. Hopefully Strowman can get the boys back on track tonight, back to 500, and then get the series win tomorrow with Tyler McGill. A lot to be excited about. Getting down to the nitty-gritty of the regular season. Hopefully the Mets, they're still alive, so hopefully they can get down and clinch a playoff spot. We will make sure you subscribe again as always. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next time. Let's go Mets.